like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we welcome back a fellow I got to know just a few weeks ago when I was interviewing members of the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op. Al Williams was delightful in that visit, so I asked him back to give a full 360 of his music. So he's here today, backed by the music of his band, One Lane Bridge. Let's head to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by phone, to talk to Al Williams. Al, thanks so much for joining me again for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Of course, the first time I had you here was a couple weeks ago for the 34th anniversary program about the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op. I hope that was a good time. Well, I actually did not play at that particular show. My band had booked a gig previously in West Bend at a place called the Washington House Pub. So uh, I did not participate, although I hear from the people that did play that it was a great show. Your band, One Lane Bridge, how far back do you go? That's what your recordings that I have are under. Did you have your own recordings too? And when did you get involved with One Lane Bridge? One Lane Bridge was started in 1985 by Kathy Ratchberg and I. I've been a songwriter pretty much since I was about 17 when I wrote my first song. I like poetry, I like music, so I just melded them together. And One Lane Bridge came along uh, in 1985 when Kathy and I uh, fired it up so that we could, uh, well, we were both musicians and uh, we liked each other's material. So we started playing our own stuff. And after a few months, we uh, recruited our guitar player, uh, Rami Espinosa. He was our recording engineer at the time and producer. And he kept just adding such tasty and choice parts to the songs that uh, we finally just said, well, we can't do this live without you. So he just joined the band, and he is still with the band, as a matter of fact. Wow, things happen, and you just stay on. So he's got a lot of parts in the music. Is he a really strong instrumentalist? What's your strength? My strength is the songwriting itself and kind of the rhythm guitar playing. I'm also the lead singer in the band at this point. The band has progressed from uh, 1985 as a three-guitar, two-singer thing now to, uh, yeah, we vary between six and seven pieces depending on what the need is. And why is it one-lane bridge? Is this something about being narrow-minded? Yeah, actually, it's about a one-lane bridge sign on a road by uh, Hillsboro, Indiana that I passed when I was going to visit a friend. And I saw it and I thought, wow, that'd make a great name for a band. And... Uh, <laughs> It is a great name for a band. As uh, anybody goes to look up One Lane Bridge, they'll find out there are a lot of bands named One Lane Bridge. <laughs> but I like it. I stuck with it. I'm sticking with it. And folks, therefore, if you want to track down Al Williams and One Lane Bridge, 
rather than search through the, I don't know, 10 or more on Facebook who are called One Lane Bridge, follow the link that I have on northernspiritradio.org. I'll carry you to the right Facebook site for him, and you can track him down more easily that way. Great. I love it when things are made simple. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's keep it simple and let's get some of the music going. What do you want to start with, Al? Well, let's start with the song I Want to Say. And there's nothing to say about this song other than I wrote it and I like it. It really has no no deep meaning, no personal reflection. It just kind of wrote itself. It is I Want to Say by Al Williams and One Lane Bridge. I want to say that I... Think that you're really fine. I want to say that I think that you're really fine. I want to say that I think that you're really fine. I wish that there was some way I could make you mine. I hope that someday your loving eyes will find me. Now that we've met, would you like to go out with me? I promise that I will always, always be infatuated. I'm in love with you loving me. is great for the moment when I call you up and you say come on over then arrows of love have been shot into my heart then comes the day that I ask you to marry me you'll never know just how happy I will be if you say yes and then we are forever we Williams performed with his group One Lane Bridge. It's on their Golden Eagle CD. And Al, you know, you said that it has no deep meanings, but it's got lines in there like, I'm in love with you loving me. And, you know, I promise my eternal infatuation. That's deep stuff. Wow. I guess so. But uh, no, no, you can, you're free to laugh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I guess it does. But at that particular time, when I wrote that particular song, it was nothing that was personal going on in my life, let's put it that way. I had already found my sweetheart at that point in time. And did it make her wonder? 
Oh, no, no. Uh, that would be Kathy Ratzberg. Uh, she understood that the way I write my songs is I try to assume the personality of other people and try to look at things from their point of view a lot of times. So in most of my songs, anything that may seem like it's personal that I put out, that's just purely coincidental. Well, I don't think that's 100% sure because I, I know, for instance, the song that you shared when you were on for the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op piece, you talked about something that was about your time on submarine, right? So some of it obviously is personal. Yeah, well, of course, it is me, even though I'm trying to be somebody else. I'm sure some personal things to bleed in. Now, that particular song, which is a song for a friend, that was a very personal song, and I do have a lot of personal songs. And we'll have, we'll be playing a couple of those as we go along in the show. But what you say, Al, about pretending to be other people, you know, putting yourself in that, I understand that you're a writer, and so you do some of that there as well. Yeah, I, I have written some things. I have a couple of books that I've completely finished. One's called Hey There, Johnny Dillinger, which follows Johnny Dillinger uh, after he was killed in Chicago in 1934. Uh, a lot of people think that a gentleman named Jimmy Lawrence, a lookalike, was the man that took Johnny's place and that Johnny went ahead and lived a full and complete life and actually became a stuntman in Hollywood. <laughs> so. And what about your other books? I have written a book. It's called Under Dark Water, which was actually inspired by a, a song written by Al Stewart. I had the fortune of uh, seeing Al Stewart and getting invited backstage to talk to him. And one of the things that he did was everybody that came back to talk with him, he asked him, which is your favorite Al Stewart song? Whenever he got to me, everybody was saying, like, you're the cat and on the border and this and that. And I told him, I said, well, it's, it's Under Dark Water. And he stopped, and he came. He sat down, and he talked with me. He said, now, why do you think that's my best song? I said, because you're singing about a, a man that's in a submarine, and you sound like you've been on one. He goes, well, I've never been on one. And I said, well, you sound like you have, and it convinced me. And a few, a few years later, well, many years later, when I was thinking about writing this book about a spy on a submarine, I used that song and grabbed the part of the title as the title of the book. And you said that you've got another book that's in progress? Yeah, I'm working on one right now called Satan's Guitar. And are you writing that with a lot of personal knowledge? <laughs> well, a lot of people tell me it sounds like hell when I play the guitar. So <laughs> <laughs> You could be onto something there, Mark. Okay. Well, why don't you give us another sample of your music so we can know if this is really true? Are we going to find it out on this next song? Well, yeah, you're going to hear just me and the guitar, as a matter of fact. The next song we're going to do is called There is One Good Thing About This War. This song has a very short history with me. I was going to master the album, Golden Eagle. I was driving down to the, the mastering studio, which is only about nine minutes from where I live. And on the way down, I wrote this song in my head. I got to the mastering studio and told them, I said, I want to put this song on the mastering, on, on the final CD. And they go, well, we don't want to do all this recording and do, do all this and do all that. I said, well, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is stick a microphone. Uh, I need to borrow a guitar, stick a microphone in front of me. When we're mastering, when it comes time for this song to pop up, which is the last song, you point to me, and I'll play it live straight to the master. So that is the only time that this song was ever performed. There's one good thing about this war. Here it goes, Al Williams. There's one good thing about this war 
We get to see those newspapers more, all clean and crisp and confident. I wonder where all the men went. Nora and Andrea light up the screen. Kieran and Allison are beauty queens. That sweet little girl on Univision. I love the way she says Taliban. The Weather Channel's not too far behind. The weather women are all very fine. I watch as they point out the sun and the rain. Ten minutes later, I watch them again. There's one good thing about this war: we get to see those newspapers more, all clean and crisp and confident. I wonder where all the men went. A one-take wonder from Al Williams. Most of the time he performs with One Lane Bridge, and this is on their album Golden Eagle. But obviously it's a solo performance by Al. There's one good thing about this war. You couldn't even find two, so you could have a second verse? <laughs> Actually, uh, I think there are, uh, let's see, I actually think there's uh, two verses in it, and I sing one of them twice. <laughs> <laughs> Which war, by the way, was that commenting on? Uh, we were talking about the uh, Iraqi war. The, the first one, you mean like? Yes. No, no, the, uh, no, no, the, uh, this, this, this one was written in 2003. 2003. Yeah, no, we were talking about the build up, the wind up, and the off we go. To war. Was it really a good thing that we had all these news babes speaking about it? Well, from my point of view, I'd rather look at a good-looking woman on TV than a good-looking man, but that's just me. Do you think there was some master plan behind all these news babes appearing, or is it just the time and place where it happened to happen? I don't think there was any master plan. I think it's kind of, I'm going to take this in a weird direction, but I think it's like country music. Men dominated country music forever. Then a few women broke through, and women and more women and more women. And that's kind of the same way the news happened. For many, many years, it was men, Walter Cronkite, you know, and Dan Rather and all those guys, Tom Brokoff. And then all of a sudden, you had women starting to appear. I don't think there was any master plan. I just think that it was part of the natural evolution of women coming into, more coming into being in the world. So that was your Golden Eagle CD that both of the first two songs were off of. Any particular reason you chose the Golden Eagle for your one-lane bridge? Well, the Golden Eagle was actually the Golden Eagle Cigar Store, which is the third song on the CD. And that song is about my brother, a very personal song. My brother was a rambler and a gambler, and uh, he owned a couple of cigar stores where they played cards in the back room, and that song was about him. What kind of family do you come from? How big? You're from Indiana, if I recall. Yes, I'm from Indiana. I had uh, five brothers and sisters. Well, I had one brother, and the rest were sisters, and me. I was the youngest child by many years. My mother called me her afterthought baby, after she thought she couldn't have any more babies. <laughs> <laughs> and what religion or spiritual background did you get raised with? Oh, we were Baptists. Real thorough Baptists? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, they were yelling, you're going to hell from the pulpit all the time. The Baptist church that I went to uh, didn't agree with the Baptist church. It was on the other side of town because they were allowed to wear earrings and dance and, I don't know, it was all kinds of stuff. 
Well, I have to say, when I got to be about 12 years old, I started thinking that something wasn't cracking up the way it was supposed to and kind of pulled away from the church when I was 12 years old, much to my mother's chagrin. She did everything she could to keep me going, keep me going. I hung in there for a bit, but by the time I was about going on 14, I had taken an early morning Sunday paper route, so I just stayed out longer on the route until the family left for church so that uh, I wasn't there for them to insist that I go along. And was that the last time you ended up mixing with that religious stuff? I've always been interested in religion one way or another. I I, uh, looked Mormonism over quite thoroughly at one point in time, and Kathy was a a practicing Catholic when we met up, and I, I went and looked at the Catholic Church, but none of it ever stuck to me, let's put it that way. And you said Kathy started out Catholic. Did you uh, dissuade her from her Catholicism or something? Not a bit. Not a bit. Never tried to, never wanted to. She practiced uh, up until she passed away. Well, let's do another song right away. And maybe I'm going to hear some Baptist singing come through your lips. I don't know. That's one of the effects that being Baptist can have on you. (laughs) My first public appearance as a musician was in a Baptist church playing trumpet. (laughs) <laughs> I was about, I think I was about nine, maybe ten, I'm not quite sure anymore. I got up and did a solo thing in front of the church and uh, got applause, and I have to say I was hooked. Somehow you gave up the trumpet, though. Is that because you wanted to sing? I mean, I guess you can't sing and play trumpet at the same time like you can with a guitar. No, I had an accident when I was 13 years old, and I broke out my two front teeth. And when you're 13 years old, they can't do anything to you as far as giving you anything permanent because your mouth is changing so much. So I had to wear a little flipper plate. And the dentist said, you know, trumpets is going to push against this plate, and it's going to cause your gums to melt. Plus, when I did try to play the thing, my wind control and lip control was just, it just wasn't there. So I, I got tired of blowing sour notes and went to the guitar. So about 13 or 14, whatever, you you became a guitarist. Yeah, actually, I went to the drums first, I should say that. I played drums until I was about 17. That's when I, when I was 17, I realized that you can carry a guitar case around and you're carrying a status symbol. It's kind of hard to carry a drum kit around. So I actually got a guitar and carried it around probably for about three or four months before I even tried to play the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, play it again for us now. What would you like to share? Okay, uh, next song is going to be off of the Songs from My Friends CD, and it's on the uh, first CD of the two-disc set, and it is called Please Don't Drink Heaven Dry, and this is one of those personal songs. This is a song that was written about one of my friends that was on the submarine with me. Please Don't Drink Heaven Dry by Al Williams and One Lane Bridge. Top of the Heap is the album. I wanted to take the time to say a proper goodbye it were you for me, I know you'd do the same Seems a hundred years that we knew each other So long, my friend, damn shame As I whisper a little prayer And I gaze into the sky If you're up there, save me a chair Please don't drink heaven dry
I whisper a little prayer And I gaze into the sky If you're up there, save me a chair And please don't drink heaven dry We met up in our younger days When we joined the Navy It was me for you and you for me And ports both far and near I remember drinking beer and dancing with the ladies And I remember you right there beside me in good cheer As I whisper a little prayer And I gaze into the sky If you're up there, please hold me a chair And don't you drink Please don't drink, don't you drink heaven dry. A song about a damn shame. Please don't drink heaven dry. The song's written by Al Williams, performed by One Lane Bridge. Actually, it's a two CD recording, Songs from My Friends. Top of the Heap is a CD with Please Don't Drink Heaven Dry. And the damn shame was what? Well, the damn shame was that he drunk himself to death. That was the damn shame. Mm. And you mentioned when I was talking to you for the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op interview that there was a practice of making some kind of a hooch that you put together. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it no, happened yeah. when he was drinking, was it? No, no, no. He he actually did not die until many, many, many years later. In the, like, I think about 2000 and or 2004, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. But I will have to say he did participate in, in making the bilge hooch. But when we were on the beach, he let alcohol control him. It was obvious, even to all the rest of us who were heavy drinkers, that he drank too much. When he got out of the military, he kept doing it until the point where they told him if you have one or two more drinks, you're just going to die. He stopped for a long, long time, but he had done so much damage to himself that he could just never recover. That's sad to hear. I, actually, I come from a family with a lot of alcoholism in it, so I've seen a whole lot of bad things happen myself. It's uh, it, it really it's heavy on the heart to watch it happen to people you love. The worst part is knowing that they're doing it and trying to tell them that they're destroying themselves and have them be upset with you for pointing it out. That's kind of the worst part of the whole deal. Yeah. Did you actually have that discussion with him multiple times? Yes, I did. I had it with him. He lived out in the uh, Seattle area. And a couple of times I went out to visit with him when he was overdoing it. We talked about it. And then when he did finally quit and I was back out to visit him, he was telling me about how much better he felt and all this stuff like that since he had quit drinking. But then he looked at me and, and gave me, we called him Take. He was from Texas, Bill Teller, take, and he looked at me and he said, don't you dare tell me I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how true it is, (laughs) especially if it's true. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work very well. People, you know, there's, there's magic that gets people to the right point where they take care of themselves and 
I actually, one of the things I respect about the 12-step process, which works for so many people, is there's this step to realize that we're not in control of it. And when you accept that and turn it over to the right source, I mean, you can let your alcohol direct you or you can let something else direct you. And so a lot of people are able to get it under control because of that. But evidently, that hasn't been one of your problems. Well, I confess that I do like to have a drink now and then, but uh, I'm trying to stay healthy. I'm, I'm going to be 64 in a few weeks. I'm trying to keep myself healthy and viable and enjoy my life. One of the things I've seen sink so many of my friendships and other people's ships is overindulging. So that's just something that I don't do. I, I shouldn't say I don't do. Every once in a while I do do it, but boy, it's you know a long time between getting drunk. And that's probably going to mean you're going to get more mileage on this car than otherwise. I'm hoping so. (laughs) If you just tuned in, you may not realize that you're listening to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org. And on that site, you'll find more than 10 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find a place to post comments. We love it when you make our communication two-way by posting a comment when you visit. There's a place to donate when you come. That's how this full-time work is supported. Even more important than that, though, is to support your local community radio station. Like in Milwaukee, where Al Williams is from, there's the River West Radio, and I'll have a link to them on my site. Remember to support your local community radio station because they provide an alternative of news and of music. You get just nowhere else. Start by supporting them. There's also links that you'll find to our guests. And so when you want to track down Al Williams and One Lane Bridge, come via the northernspiritradio.org site and we'll point you to the correct one out of the 10 or so One Lane Bridge groups on Facebook. Again, Al Williams is here. He's out of Milwaukee. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago about his connection with the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op, and he was one of the founders of that group. So uh, clearly that's a group of friends that was very important to you, the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op. You've already sung songs, I think, Al, about your friendships with people on the submarine where you served in the military. Any other particular friends we should know about? Well, speaking of the Musicians Co-op, my very dear friend, Mud River Lee, who I know you have interviewed in the past, and he was on the uh, March the 12th Co-op show with a, I don't I don't know which uh, band he was uh, calling it, whether he was calling it the Bluegrass Bells or the Bluegrass Orchestra, but he was there, and I consider Mud River Lee one of my very best friends. I also am going to say that he has, in my opinion, one of the absolute best singing voices in the business. I love his voice dearly. Well, let's keep going with more music. We've got more to get through that I know people will love hearing. So what's next? I guess this is a personal song as well. I kept telling you that all my songs were personal, but I guess this one is because this one is about my dog. (laughs) And the only thing I need to say about it is his name is Winston. Winston, he's quite the little guy. He speaks a punk man, catches beats on the fly. I saw his picture on the internet, worked over 600 bucks. He flew into Milwaukee International, and he was 
today for song of the soul that's your current dog right yep yep still got him he's out in the backyard right now uh, looking over the fence and wondering what i'm doing at my neighbor's house (laughs) and how young is he he's 14 now which is kind of the age where they're not likely to jump over any fences right uh this guy could do it if he wanted to he's just not smart enough to know that he can (laughs) in there you mentioned i think that you bought him for six hundred dollars yeah, I, the dog I had previously was a, a an African Basenji, a wonderful dog. He passed away. I waited for a while before I got another dog. I was at work one day, and you know, don't tell anybody this, but I was goofing off on the computer, and I got on the, some uh, sites looking for dogs, and I popped across this site in Arkansas, took a look at it, and I just thought, that's my guy right there. So I contacted the people and bought him. And he, at that point in time, was only two weeks old. So I waited another four weeks, and then uh, they put him on an airplane and flew him up to me. And uh, he and I have been best pals ever since. And did you name him, or did they? No, their name. <laughs> Please don't tell Winston I told you this, but his kennel name was Smidge. Smidge? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I, I named him uh, Winston, and uh, depending on who's asking, I either tell them I named him after uh, John Lennon's middle name or uh, Winston Churchill. <laughs> and which of those do you consider the higher authority? Winston Churchill. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's just keep rolling right through the songs that you have to share, Al. Next one for Song of the Soul is... Okay, the next song is going to be off of the second CD in the uh, double release, Songs for My Friends. It is the second song on the CD, and it is called Who Said. And this song it was written for Kathy after she passed away. Who said? Who 
or those that we love, Who Said? And it's by One Lane Bridge, led by Al Williams, about Kathy Ratzberg. And you had a couple decades, maybe a few decades together, so that's a pretty big hole that leaves in your life. Yep, 28 great years. A lot of people, when they get to that point, the question, Who Said?, is one that a lot of people like to throw at what we call God. And, you know, you got to look for someone to blame because something like that, that hurts, that hurts that bad. Did you have anger? Did you? I went through all of the uh, seven stages of grief, kind of all at the same time, except anger. I never was ever angry. There is no way that I can be angry for having had so many wonderful years with such a wonderful person. Uh, I was confused and upset and blamed myself and all this stuff like that. But uh, I just wanted to distill my feelings in something. uh, It was also complicated that I needed to simplify it to myself. So that was, uh, I thought, you know, 
what better way to ask us a question than to keep it as short and as honest as possible? And that's why I came up to said. And basically sat down and wrote it in one sitting and then showed it to the band. And uh, we recorded a few days later. And they did a wonderful job. Some of Rami Espinosa's finest electric guitar work is on that piece. And at that point in time, too, we had just brought aboard a, a new bass player. He's a young gun here from Milwaukee named Marshall Holm. He did not meet Kathy. He had never met Kathy, but he, you know, we got him to play the song. And at the, I'd also was in a band. I was in a cover band at that time called Flood Brothers. And their uh, lead vocalist is a, a friend of mine named Chubby Chuck Fado. So uh, he came and sang backup vocals with me as well as this, a lovely lady named Trinity Carlson. Yeah, I did notice the instrumentals on, particularly on the, the whole recording, Who Said, the C, second CD of the Songs for My Friends collection. I noticed you really juiced it up. It must be a, a, around that time that you stepped it up to the seven-piece or whatever participation in One Lane Bridge. Yeah, we were picking up members at that time. We had a drummer that was working with us, although I'm, if I remember correctly, I'm drumming on that particular cut. And uh, the drummer brought uh, Marshall into the fold with us. Uh, the drummer is gone. We still have Marshall. And uh, so we were starting at that point to realize that, well, we're not a three-piece with uh, three guitars and two vocals anymore. And uh, let's just go ahead and start taking this a different direction and, and let's fill the glass, so to speak, as Rami said. Fill the, let's fill the musical glass. So uh, with his encouragement, uh, Rami's been my guitar player from almost the very beginning of the band. He's also a producer and the, uh, the critical listener to my material now that Kathy's passed away. And, you know, he very open to what we're doing. He was my recording engineer when we started. I'm his recording engineer now. So uh, we just started adding pieces. We, we grabbed a trumpet player and brought him in. Uh, I almost wish I'd had you play the song the trumpet player is on. It's called Newspaper Boy. I don't think we can fit that in, Al, but I can point people to One Lane Bridge, and then they can maybe track down your music, and they can look that up on the Songs from My Friends collection, the second CD, Who Said. Since we're talking about that second CD real quick, I'd like to mention a couple of really, really great players that uh, joined me on that. And that would be uh, Sigmund Snowpack played piano on this particular CD on two songs. And we had uh, a lady named Dottie Rainier that played drums on a few of the songs, too. So I'd like to give them some mention. Well, lots of good folks that you're doing music with. What's your take on the Milwaukee music scene at this point? It is bustling. There are lots of places offering live music. There are lots of places that are having open jams and open mics to allow people that don't do it as a business or a big hobby to get out and strut their stuff once in a while. You can find a place to go listen to music or go play music every night in Milwaukee. And not just one place, but many places. That's nice. And so you and One Lane Bridge, how often do you get out? Well, this has been a hobby band, and I didn't work the band very much, but we recently brought in a backup bass player, and he is also managing the band, and he is starting to work us quite a bit more. So in the next few weeks, we have like four or five gigs. So when he came to the band and said, well, let's go out and start working the band, you're playing in the kitchen, I said, well, you know Rink, and his name is Wrinkle Finish. <laughs> I have to laugh every time I think of his name. But 
he said, you're looking. I told him, I said, Wrinkle, I said, this, this is original music. You know, when people go out to bars to listen to music and this and that, they want to hear cover. They want to hear things they can dance to. And he told me, he said, Al, you're looking at this wrong. He said, we have something here that nobody else has got. So let's push it from that standpoint, which I have to admit that, you know, uh, from a salesman standpoint, having something that nobody else has, you know, that's a great thing. And he has proven it by going out and finding us places to play. Well, let's have you play a little bit more right now. We've got a couple more songs before we have to get off the air. What's up next, Al? The next cut that we have is City Noise. And I wrote this song in Hawaii, at Salt Lake, Hawaii, sitting on the top of about, the, uh, I think it was a 23- or 24-story apartment building that I was uh, sharing an apartment with a friend at. Sitting on the patio, I had just been recently discharged from the Navy, maybe two to three weeks. I was hanging around in Hawaii to uh, have a little fun before I came back to the mainland. And I was sitting on the patio one morning, and I was looking down, and I was watching everybody get up and get in their cars and head off to work. And I just uh, this little song came to mind called City Noise. People look like toys The day begins Start the games again I think it's time I change my company Put new horizons out in front of me Flying so high that I can't help but see The perfume skies are smelling sweet Mala's secretary is on the street Strolling through that city canyon wall Really makes them seem so small Surrounded by the people's voices With concrete roots With concrete roots and two few choices They'll never know They'll never know what the cost is Too high Just too high Time. And the night 
just paper lies. I'm tired of walking down these lonely halls. The midnight quiet. The midnight quiet brings no rest at all. Hang on tight. Hang on tight, Lord, I'm so afraid to fall. And I know there's a better way. Get myself out of this place Don't think I can take another day hey. All you listeners have your own take on that, but I hear some heavy notes in there, and by that I mean... There's some uh, fear, dread, some sadness in the transition, even though, you know, you say right in the song, Al, I think it's time to change my company. You know you got to go on, but that's not an easy transition, it sounded like for you. It it was not. uh, I was fresh out of the military, knowing I was going to have to go home or go someplace and find a job and and start facing life a, a different way, a different life. And that was a little reflection of that. Uh, the reason the song sounds so sad, though, is because it's in a minor key, and minor keys always lend themselves to sadness. And so you wrote it in a minor key, which leads me to think that you had the sadness to put it into minor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad my intuition's still working. But there is one thing that struck me as surprising, and I've got three CDs by you, and one of them is a two-CD collection. The earliest of those is recorded 2003, and there's that one was, I think, recorded around 2013. So you wrote it back, you know, 1977 or so. That's a lot of years in between. What happened? Why Were you recording in those? Maybe those are all on LPs? Yeah, I've got a lot of CDs out. That song just never particularly made the cut on any previous recording because uh, I didn't have the right group of musicians around me at the time to translate it properly. But we have uh, our very first CD. Well, let's see. Actually, the first thing I recorded was a vinyl album with a band called Stranger. That's where I met Rami Espinoza at. Uh, By the way, he was our recording engineer. And then uh, a few years later, we did a. Uh, I was working at a recording studio called AD Productions, and at that point in time, we actually uh, recorded. Uh, it was released on cassette tape. Another song called "More Music from One Lane Bridge." And a few years later, we did another double CD. Then in 2001, we did a Christmas, all original Christmas CD. That particular CD called Christmas Christmas was not all One Lane Bridge. It was actually myself and a few other co-op members and a few other people that had written Christmas songs. You know, we got tired of listening to the same old stuff, so we recorded our own. Then we did a CD called Hours Over Coffee. And then we jumped to The Golden Eagle and then to Songs for My Friends. We're actually seven songs into a brand new CD. We've got them completed, and we've got four more to go. And so you're probably going to drive to the studio, have an inspiration on the way there, and put it down first time like you did with There's One Good Thing About This War. I, I don't think that happens way too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you got me thinking about it, <laughs> maybe I'll do that. Who knows? Well, we better tie this up, Al. So can you give us one more song for your song of the soul? I would love to. The last song I would like you to play, Mark, is Joe's Guitar. And 
This is a personal song. Well, I started the same uh, my songs were all that personal, and then uh, as we talk about them, find out that they're more personal than I realized. But this song, Joe's Guitar, was written about my next-door neighbor, Joe Sass. He was a great guy. He and Mary, who uh, was kind enough to allow me to use her landline to speak with you today, when he passed away almost five years ago now, his wife, Mary, gave me his guitar. And I sat in the living room about two days after she gave it to me and wrote that song in its entirety in about, I'm going to say about 15 to 20 minutes. When they come that close to our heart and our soul, I think they come out easier. The words are clear when they're resonating right at that point. Yeah. Sometimes the songs come out so quickly that my hand gets cramped as I'm trying to write the words down as I remember them. And if you take a look, if, if you ever have the misfortune to try to read any of the lyrics that I've handwritten, you'll notice that the beginning of the song, they're legible. And as it goes along and goes and goes along and goes along, they become more cramped and uh, almost totally unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to finish off Al Williams' Song of the Soul with Joe's guitar. Al, it's great to get to know you. I love your work with the Milwaukee Musicians Co-op. I love the instrumentals that are coming in, like on this song. You, you've got such a powerful group performing now as One Lane Bridge. I hope that you know where but up through the stratosphere. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I do appreciate that. Again, Al Williams and One Lane Bridge. Thanks to you, Al. But thanks also to Joe, whose guitar got passed to you, and to Mary, whose phone you've used for this call. And thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance today. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. Right now, Joe's Guitar by Al Williams. Every time I play Joe's Guitar Every time I play Every time that I play Joe's Guitar it always puts a smile on my face, my face, my face. Every time that I play Joe's guitar, it takes me back to yesterday. Growing roses in his backyard. He always had a smile on his face, his face. I see him standing by the garage door. I hear him laugh and say, hey, Al. The weather's getting dry. The grass is turning brown. I think I'm gonna water it down And I hope Joe hears this melody And the words to the song I sing I hope Joe knows that I think of him Every time I strum each string
decided to learn to play. He bought a book, he tuned her up, and he practiced every for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song